The latest polls for next year's presidential election have been released, showing the DPP's Lai Qingde in the lead with a support rating of over 31 percent. Meanwhile, the KMT's Hou Youyi sits in last with only 18 percent. The BCC Gallup poll reveals that if Lai selects Taiwan's representative in the U.S. Shelby Kim as his running mate, he would still take the top position with over 30 percent support. The TPP's Kerwinje with Huang Shanshan ranked second at nearly 24 percent. But Hou Youyi of the KMT, even with the support of Honghai founder Terry Goh, is still third, although his numbers have picked up. At the current rate, the only hope for Hou is to pair up with Ke, which would give him a boosted 40 percent over Lai and Xiao's 35 percent support. As Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, President Tsai Ing-wen attended the joint graduating ceremony of Taiwan's military academies on Wednesday and conferred rank insignia to graduating trainees. She emphasized the administration's commitment to military reform, including raising the salaries of military personnel by 4 percent starting 2024 to attract more talent. There were 12 exchange cadets from Taiwan's diplomatic allies among the graduates, one of whom expressed that she would like to foster closer ties between her country and Taiwan in her future role. President Tsai Ing-wen was guest of honor at the joint graduation ceremony of Taiwan's six military academies. This was the first cadet graduation that she has attended in person following the COVID-19 pandemic. In the past three years, because of the pandemic, I could only send my wishes to you via a pre-recorded video. I am happy to be here in person today to express my best wishes to our graduating cadets at the Armed Forces Six Military Academies. Every rank insignia represents the start of a military official's honorable quest, the great responsibility of protecting our country and our people. President Tsai presented rank insignia to representatives of the six academies, which symbolizes the responsibility these graduates now shoulder. The president also highlighted several military reform efforts under her administration. Starting next year, we will raise the salaries of military personnel by 4%. The government will also continue to improve lodging units and facilities to make sure that we're giving you more support and assistance. There were over 2,000 graduates at the ceremony from the Army, Air Force and Navy and the Military Medical School. There were also 12 exchange cadets from Taiwan's diplomatic allies. To international friends, I hope that once you return to your home countries, not only will you apply what you've learned here, but that you'll also pass on Taiwan's hospitality and friendliness so that our ties as diplomatic allies can be strengthened further. I hope that our relationship between the two countries can keep growing and be more stronger than before. The exchange cadets from Eswatini said life at the military academy had been very fulfilling. She also expressed her reasons for joining the military. To protect my country, my king, my family, and my friends. Facing an increasingly fraught state of affairs across the Taiwan Strait, I will apply what I've learned at the academy, have the courage to face challenges, make choices and changes, and shoulder the duty of safeguarding our territorial waters. 
We will also stand by all of you and together safeguard our sovereignty and uphold the values of freedom and democracy. As Commander-in-Chief, the President was steadfast in her resolve to protect the homeland. With summer in full swing, the Tourism Bureau is pulling out all the stops to boost international tourism back to pre-pandemic levels by 2024. Now they're showcasing a summer tourism festival which features 35 activities for travelers and will even be broadcasting a promotional video in New York's Times Square starting next month. Let's hear about what's in store. Visit Taidong's Luye Highland and sail into the sky in a colorful hot air balloon. Or head to Alishan to beat the heat and enjoy the best of Taiwan's tea. Peak summer travel season is just around the corner, and the Tourism Bureau is organizing a festival to promote 35 summer tourism activities. To beckon international tourists to the island, They'll even be showing a promotional video in New York City's Times Square. We're currently working with the Qiboling Foundation to film some scenes for the Summer Tourism Festival video, including some of the activities. It will be broadcasted in Times Square in the U.S. As we all know, content in Times Square can be seen by the whole world. Through international marketing, we invite the world to travel to Taiwan. Currently, most of the tourists visiting Taiwan are from Japan, Korea, and Southeast Asia. The Tourism Bureau's video will be shown from July to the end of August and aims to attract more tourists from North America. Their goal is to surpass 100,000 visitors from the region and bring international tourism back to pre-pandemic levels. We're working hard to bring in international tourists. The day before yesterday, we reached 2.46 million visitors, with a goal of 6 million by the end of the year. We are now sure that that goal will be reached and that we can reach 12 million next year, which was the pre-pandemic level. The transport minister stressed that local tourism in Taiwan is concentrated on weekends and holidays. He hopes that international visitors can help boost weekday travel and power up Taiwan's tourism market. The Taipei Egg Retailers Union announced Tuesday that current wholesale and farm gate values for eggs will both drop by another 2 NT starting Wednesday, with the wholesale price lowering to 50 NT a caddy. Egg production costs have lowered and supply is steady. However, many retailers of snags and bento who raised prices in response to the egg shortage have not returned to their original pricing. The Consumers Foundation has stated that keeping prices raised is unreasonable and warned that they will launch an investigation to remind the public that they have the right to refuse to buy. Jilong is expected to become a super-aged city this year. Local community leaders are developing events to help older adults maintain a happy and healthy lifestyle. And in this special week of Dragon Boat Festival, they have some clever ideas for age-friendly festivity. The classic zongzi is a bit of a heavy meal, even for the most robust stomach. So a cooking teacher has suggested a lighter alternative you can make at home that's still tasty. The steamer is opened and the smell of delicious zongzi fills the room. But cut open the string and unpeel the bamboo leaves and you come upon an unexpected surprise. 
These matcha-flavored steamed zongzi buns are a hit. It's Dragon Boat Festival, but for many older people, the sticky rice of zongzi is a bit of a digestive hazard. That's why Jilong Fishermen's Association asked this cooking teacher to show local older adults this healthy alternative recipe. They're for older people. We fear that sticky rice could hurt the stomach, so we've switched it for bread. Inside there are eggs too. It should be easier to make like this than sticky rice. Jilong City Councilor Tong Ziwei is no Zongzi expert, but he came down to try the class. Jilong is forecast to become a super-aged society this year. Supporting older people to maintain good health is a top priority for local government. These are great for older people. They're good for digestion, and you can get that Dragon Boat Festival feeling. It won't feel like a kind of lifestyle discrimination. There are weekly lunchbox events to care for older people, and we invite older folks to come and take a stroll at the Fishermen's Association every week. There are lots of events, wrapping and cooking, all sorts. We hope older people won't be sitting lonely at home. These novel zongzi buns are being sent as gifts to older people in Jilong as well as local orphanages, bringing healthy summertime vibes and festivity all over the city. Guangdu International Nature Art Festival is Taiwan's first large-scale art event held in a conservation park. The festival will run from September till December, and it is now inviting both local and foreign artists to apply. Three artists will be chosen to create works using only natural materials or environmentally friendly materials. FTV reporter Stephen Yang has the details. Since 2006, the Guangdu International Nature Art Festival has invited artists to create works at the Guangdu Nature Park. It is Taiwan's first large-scale natural art event held in a conservation park. Organizers hope that the event can help connect people to their surroundings and foster ecological and animal conservation. The Guangdu International Nature Art Festival is already in its 18th year. This year's theme is nature, a gift, connection giving and exchange. We expect to invite three artists to be artists in residence in the Guandu Nature Park. This year's theme is nature, a gift, connecting, giving and exchange. The festival will invite submissions not just from local artists, but those from the international community too. Submissions will be accepted until June 30th. Three artists will be selected to spend around four weeks as artists-in-residence in Guangdu Nature Park, using only natural or environmentally friendly materials to create artwork. The works will not be limited to one medium, but they must bring to light the values of biodiversity and connections between humans, ecology, and bird interactions around Guangdu. The form of the works is not limited to one medium. The only requirement is to convey awareness of the habitat's creation and biodiversity, along with the surrounding ecology of the Guandu area and ecological conservation. The application period is from now until Friday, June 30th. Artists at home and abroad are welcome to participate. During the artist-in-residence period, 
Partial subsidies for accommodation, meals and transportation will be provided. The festival will be held from September 10th to December 31st at Guandu Nature Park. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Qi in Taipei. The Taipei Metro has removed most seats from certain trains on the MRT's Brown Line on a trial basis in efforts to relieve rush hour traffic. In several cars, priority seats are all that remain, leaving the rest of the space as standing room only. The Taipei Metro says the modifications will allow about 20 more passengers to get on each train, alleviating some of the pressure on the notoriously crowded medium-capacity line. Boarding this train on the MRT's Wenhu line, you'll notice something different. Most seats have disappeared. The seats have been removed and replaced with handrails on each side. Sixteen more sets of handles have been added on the seating. Only eight priority seats are left at the front and rear ends of the train car, leaving the rest an empty space. This expands the width of the area from 43 centimeters at the narrowest up to 218 centimeters. Now, each train can fit about 20 more passengers. The changes are currently being made only to Matra train models in the second and third cars. As long as it helps clear up traffic, that's fine. It was packed before. At first I wanted to get out. I thought it was some special car. By removing seats, the Taipei Metro hopes to relieve traffic in Nehu during peak hours. Traffic flow on the Wenhu line is highest in the morning from Zhongxiao Fuxing to Nangang and in the evening from Nanjing Fuxing to Taipei Zoo. The modified trains will depart during peak hours, and time between trains will also be shortened. The peak time period was originally 20 minutes, but we have now extended that to one hour to relieve the morning rush. Since Bombardier train models have electromechanical equipment under the seats which cannot be removed, only Matra trains are being modified. The new measures may be extended following a six-month trial period. Doris Brome has taught English to generations of students in Taiwan using Studio Classroom, a pioneering English program she founded. Now 96 years old, Brome has dedicated herself to Taiwan for over seven decades. She's recently become naturalized citizen of Taiwan. On Tuesday, President Tsai Ing-wen presented Brome with a Taiwanese passport at the studio classroom headquarters. Brome said that she'll never retire and that she'll continue with the program. I don't know how I deserve this. I'm a very ordinary person, but I've always been happy to help. I'm very touched. We must continue and stick together and do more and help each other so that the level of English here will be enhanced. I've become Taiwanese so I can meet and be with you all in person. My work is here and so is my heart. Born in Seattle, born, arrived in Taiwan from China in 1951 following the Chinese Civil War. She had originally served as a missionary in Hualien and soon noticed the lack of quality English education in Taiwan. In 1962, she founded Studio Classroom. At the event, the household registration department head, Ling Qingqi, thanked Borm for her dedication to English language learning in Taiwan. Lin said her efforts helped cultivate a more international mindset in Taiwanese students and elevated the level of English in the country. 
He added that it is Taiwan's great fortune to have a talent like her. Taiwan is the first and currently the only country in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage. As such, it's a beacon for LGBT rights across the continent. But for queer immigrants in Taiwan, living as a minority within a minority can be difficult. Today, we meet second-generation immigrant filmmakers who have taken on the theme of coming out in a new short. Their film, Actually, I Know Everything, directed by Chen Zixuan, focuses on the huge differences in attitudes that can exist in families in Taiwan and makes a plea for mutual understanding. This short film, directed by Chen Zixuan, explores the dilemma of coming out as queer to one's family. It came from me seeing an article online where someone shared the story of coming out to her mom. The ending was very touching and I wanted to turn it into a film. And then in the middle, we really added some perspectives from the mothers of the two families to create a feeling of conflict. It's no simple thing to separate family ties from romance. In Actually, I Know Everything, characters become more accepting as they come to understand each other's perspectives. It renewed and re-inspired my thinking. I can understand them better now and empathize. And it has helped me understand how to be with them. This film brought me a lot of learning. The plot of the film is a microcosm of the filmmaker's own experiences. The director is a second-generation Indonesian-Taiwanese while crew member Li Zhihao is a second-generation immigrant with a mother from China, and the two families have diametrically opposed views on LGBT issues. With the characters of the two mothers and their different personalities, we wanted to represent different views on homosexuality among the general public. The intersection of queerness with immigration in Taiwan is one we don't often see on screen. This film makes a heartfelt case to replace prejudice with mutual empathy and respect, creating a society where we celebrate love in all its colors. A young baker from Wannang University has won the President's Educational Award. As a student at the Department of Food and Beverage, Zhang Peixin spends her days in the kitchen. Her specialty? artistic cakes and breads. The top young baker has won awards for her delectable and meticulously directed, decorated creations. And she's won special recognition as a disabled baker, having been born with conjoined fingers. Butter is cut and added to dough, which goes in a variety of molds. Before long, they become beautiful, fragrant loaves of bread. Zhang Peishuan is a recipient of the 2023 President's Educational Awards for Endeavor and Ambition. She was born with conjoined fingers on her right hand, which were treated with multiple surgeries and extensive rehabilitation. She trained her fingers to be more strong and stable by pressing together chocolate and frosting. Some aspects of the work may take more effort, but she never forgets the passion that brought her into this job. 
You could see when I was rolling with my hand just now how there's a difference between my hands and in how powerful they are. I need to practice that more, probably. And when I was rolling just now, it was quite difficult. Jiang's hard work is attracting accolades. She won first place for cake decoration in the 17th National Skills Competition for the Disabled. She told us how the colored fondant is the most complex and manually taxing part of cake decoration. Every morning, basically, I do it for seven or eight hours a day. With the time I have left, I'm thinking about how to make artistic breads. And she has a charitable project for her baking. She's not just making bread; she wants to spread love throughout the world. So every day when she's not in class, she takes her practice breads to the four boroughs around here and gives them to poor families and lonely older people, so they can know the experience of bread. Zhang's perseverance and ingenuity have been held up as a wholesome example, bringing joy to her and her community. Are you getting enough vitamin D? According to a new study by the Lianan Wellness Center. The answer is probably not. The study used vitamin D data from more than 120,000 samples collected between 2015 and 2022. About 87% of people surveyed were deficient in vitamin D. Adults between the ages of 21 and 30 had the greatest shortfall. A vitamin D deficiency can increase the risk of conditions such as osteoporosis and high blood pressure. One way to boost vitamin D levels is to get 20 minutes of direct sunlight each day, ideally between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m.